Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Base Hit Ball Forward Podcast. My name is Glenn Denegers, alongside, as always, Tyler Blumenstick, Scott Roswald, and Alex Cashman. Another week, another few major moves in Major League Baseball. Yesterday, Liam Hendricks signed with the White Sox for three years, $54 million, with a $15 million option for the fourth year. The big move, however, this past week is obviously the Francisco Lindor trade going from the Cleveland Indians to the New York Mets. Now, last week, while I was lagging when we were doing our bowl predictions, I said that Lindor would end up with the Blue Jays. So clearly, I was wrong. And I, I feel like I owe you, you all an apology for the false, no need to apologize. false information that I tried to give you. No, you, can, you can keep apologizing. You, I can keep apologizing. Yeah, Cash wants me to apologize for everything, but I'm not going to do that. So Lindor goes to the New York Mets along with Carlos Carrasco for two minor leaguers, John Wolf, a right-handed pitcher, Isaiah Green, a center fielder, ranked eighth and ninth in the Mets farm system, according to baseball perspective. Um, Andres Jimenez and Ahmad Rosario, both shortstops, go from the Mets to the Indians. So Cleveland gets two prospects and two middle infielders to replace Lindor and Carrasco. I guess I'll start it off with Scott since his Phillies are in the NL East and now he's going to have to face Francisco Lindor 19 times over the course of a 162 game season, assuming we have that this year. And we'll get to that in a second. Scott, what are your thoughts on the landscape of the NL East? Does this move acquiring Carrasco and Lindor to add to that lineup into that already really good pitching rotation? Does that change the landscape of the NL East? Are the Mets on par with the Atlanta Braves? Have they leapfrogged the Marlins and the Phillies who they or and the Phillies? What is what is your opinion on how this changed that division? I, I still think the Braves are the best team in the division. Uh, you're you're the, in my in my opinion you're the champ until you're no longer the champ. Uh, so the Braves are the best team there, uh, but obviously the Lindor trade makes the Mets the be- second best team uh, in the division. Uh, it's, it's, he's probably the best shortstop in the league. Um, it's just a huge pickup for the Mets because Ahmed Rosario had fanned out as a guy. Jimenez looked good, but. He's not Lindor's. And just adding him into that middle of the lineup with a Pete Alonzo, Michael Conforto, Dom Smith, uh, J.D. Davis is a good player, Nimmo. The Mets have a really, really good lineup. And, I mean, it always comes down to health for them every single year. But on paper, they're the, they're the second-best team in the division. Um, it sets the Phillies back, a, you know, a lot. And even if they bring back JT Romuto, the Phillies are way behind the top two teams in the division. Um, but yeah, a, a huge, huge day for, or week, I guess, for Mets fans in general, just getting Lindor and then adding Carrasco to that rotation. That's, that's nothing to bat your eyes at. Like mm-hmm. he, he's a good starting pitcher to pair up with DeGrom, a healthy Syndergaard and Marcus Stroman. The Mets are really, really good, and it, it sucks to say that, but they're they're a threat going into this 2021 season. I think you hit the nail on the head. A lot of people are overlooking the Carrasco aspect to this trade. If you add Carlos Carrasco to what you have, DeGrom, Syndergaard when he comes back, Stroman's coming back, you put Carrasco in that four spot, and then five could be either Mats or you know a Gazelman or a Lugo, whatever wherever they want to do with the fifth spot, the Mets have a very good roster. Now, over the past few years, I've also said that the Mets have had a really good roster, and they really always kind of choke their talent away. And Cash is laughing because I think that's where he was going to go with this, where the Mets are always going to end up being the Mets. Maybe this year is going to be different. Cash, I know you're a big Atlanta Braves guy. If you are a diehard Braves fan, are you sweating a little bit over what the Mets have done? Or are you fine with the fact that you made it to game seven, of the NLCS, you added um, a Charlie Morton, um, you've added to that rotation. And then you also have guys like Acuna and Albies, and you have a really good ro- roster yourself. Are you sweating the Mets a little bit? Or are you kind of like, come get us? Well, <clears throat> I think that every fan of the NLEs has got to be sweating the Mets a little bit, just because it is a big name. Um, but Scott, you had said that uh, the Braves are champs until they're not, right? Yeah. I'm going to say the same thing about the Mets. The Mets are the Mets until proven otherwise. And I, I, mean, I think that's a fair argument. They've they've gone out and they've gotten good guys before and they've gotten big names and it's never panned out. You know, they 
let's not forget the the Mets fans named them World Series champions after they went and got Cespedes, and uh, that didn't work out too well. Um, so listen, for Mets fans, congratulations! This is the best thing that's happened to you guys in like thirty years. But you know, until the uh, products on the field, and I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that the Mets are gonna suck. I don't know. They could. I also said the Red Sox are gonna come in second place last year, so I'm obviously an idiot, but. Um, I just think that you have to take a deep breath. You know, Steve Cohen said he's going to go out and spend big money, but he hasn't spent that yet. You know, these guys are free agents at the end of the year. At least Lindor is. I'm not 100% on Carrasco, but I know Lindor is. So if you want to keep him long term, you got to lock him up. Um, and that's going to be big money. And then, you know, don't forget next year comes back that Cano contract. And then, you know, you're going to have to pay Alonzo at some point. And DeGrom gets paid and Cindergaard. I mean, it, it adds up. And I know Cohen said he's going to spend a lot of money, but you're not going to go from what they were spending to $600 million in payroll. I'm exaggerating, but everyone's got to just take a chill pill. You know, congrats to the Mets. It was, it was a phenomenal trade, uh, but let's see how it plays out. Uh, Tyler, the Mets, obviously, getting Francisco Lindor, they get a multifaceted player. They get one of the best offensive shortstops in the game. They have probably one of the better defensive shortstops in the game. They also got James McCann. So they're improving up the middle of their defense, along with improving their offense. You add Carrasco to that rotation. The one knock that the Mets still have is one in center field. Um, how much money is left for the Mets to go and get a George Springer? We don't know yet. We'll see in the coming weeks. And also that bullpen is still very suspect. I mean, we've seen what Edwin Diaz has done over the last couple of years. Now, if you're the Mets now and you're that fan base that's now thinking, hey, we can win the division and possibly challenge the Dodgers and the Padres to represent the National League in the World Series, you need a better bullpen than what they're presently constituting right now. So the next move for the Mets, should that be that center field guy to patrol the outfield? Or do you think they should really go heavy over the bullpen? Because as we saw yesterday with Liam Hendricks, the bullpen pieces are going to start coming off the board. Yeah, look, I I wanted to go right off what Cash said before. I mean, with spending money and how Steve Cohen said he was going to come out and basically make a splash in free agency and kind of rebuild this team right away. Um he made the first step in acquiring Lindor and Carrasco. I don't know about uh, Carrasco's contract, but Lindor, I mean, free agent in 2022. But now he's got a complete step two. You talk the big game. You say you're going to go spend the money. You traded the guy. You sent away a major league ready guy and a guy that's essentially major league ready. played like half a season in Andres Jimenez. But now you got to keep Lindor around. They already got two better players and sent away less than what they did when they sent Kellenick away and got Cano and Edwin Diaz back. However, I mean, as of now, I, I got to imagine they're checking in on George Springer because Steve Cohen is going to want to spend some money this offseason. I, I think the important uh, thing... I don't want to interrupt, but Carrasco is signed through 2023. Okay, so, I mean, that's a little... I mean, what but he'll be 36. Be he's 36? He'll be, 30, he's gonna... he'll be 36. So he's he's 34 right now. He'll be making $38 million over the course of the next three years. That's not too bad at all. That's nothing. I'll take that. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, I think in the outfield, you, you need a steady guy that can control center field. If your hole is in left or right, you can manage that, especially if you have guys. I mean, the National League's a little bit harder because you can't hide people at DH. Um, you got to put the guys out there, and you're probably more apt to have a hole in the field in the National League. I mean, just – to make up for it with the bat. But center field is such a value position where you need a guy that can track down that ball. I think they got to go out and get that everyday center fielder. Um, right now like it would be a platoon of Brandon Nemo mm -hmm. and Marisnik, who they got from Houston a couple years ago. I don't think that's going to cut it for a team that wants to do big things. I think you have to maybe if you can't afford Springer and you've priced yourself out of Springer, because I read a report that Springer is asking for like five years, $175 million. I don't know if he's going to get that. But if you price yourself out on Springer, there's still other guys you can go get. Um, Jackie Bradley Jr. If you're going for a defensive first kind of glove in center field, Kevin Kiermaier, same thing. There are guys to get for the Mets. But I think the most important thing for New York in this instance is now that you made this big trade for Francisco Lindor, almost like how the Dodgers did last year with Mookie Betts, you made that decision 
to acquire him via trade. You gave up prospects, and we can get into if Cleveland got what they should have gotten in in a little bit. But you need to, Scott. You need to show your fans that you're willing to make long term commitments. This needs to be some sort of three hundred million dollar deal for Lindor, or he's just going to leave at the end of the offseason. And I know you can just sign guys like Story or Baez or Correa or Seager, that big shortstop class next year. But it would it wouldn't be the best look if they have Lindor and then they can't work out a deal for a long-term extension. Yeah, absolutely. Deal has to get done. And Lindor did say in his introductory press conference, you know, he lives life day by day. He's going to take it. You know, they haven't really talked extension yet, but he he said he's sure it's going to come, that conversation. But he's also said he won't talk contract extension once, you know, spring training really starts rolling, and he definitely won't talk about it once the season starts. So the pressure is on Steve Cohen and Sandy Alderson and the Mets to get this done over the next couple of weeks because it does look bad for the Mets, and it that's going to then loom over them for that whole season is like especially if they struggle yes especially and that could be a factor into them struggling is if you know they're not sure Lindor is going to be here long term and and that would suck for the fans I mean I would love it if he left but I they as a taking my biases out of it the Mets have to get something done with him and they have to do it you know over the next couple you know days or weeks because then, yeah, he does get into that market and the Yankees come calling, the Dodgers come calling. He's going to have options because this guy is a top-tier player in this league. And, yes, you mentioned there's a good shortstop class going into free agency, but he's the best one out of all those guys that's going to be available. So, And if you let him... If you if he if you let him get to that point and you let's say don't win the World Series or don't even win your division and maybe have like a quick exit in the wild card round, then all of this season was for nothing and you gave up those prospects for nothing because you could have just waited to just get him for money a year from now. So I think it's really important that by opening day, Francisco Lindor is long term a New York Met. Now with Francisco Lindor now on the team, and let's assume that he does sign this contract. You guys, you have guys on this team that have been here for a while. Peel Alonzo is obviously a fan favorite. You got a DeGrom, um, a Syndergaard. So there are guys on this team that have been here for a while. But does Francisco Lindor automatically become, just by stepping on the field day one, is he automatically the face of the Mets? Because it's hard to say that, in my opinion, about a starting pitcher like DeGrom, as great as he is, and he is great. Once every five days, you see DeGrom play for the New York Mets. Now, Francisco Lindor is going to be on the field every single day. So do you think now... Francisco Lindor is a the face of the Mets and B if he is is he the face of baseball in New York uh, Jesus Christ it's just a no. question I'm gonna say no I'll take this I I want to compare it a little bit to kind of when Giancarlo Stanton came to New York I guess in terms it's not really a direct parallel or parallel but like there's already an established team here. Aaron Judge was already here. Um, we had guys that were competing going into the playoffs who we went in and got Giancarlo Stanton he didn't become the face of the team. I would argue he's still not even the face of the team. He's kind of, he on an individual level, he's accomplished more, I mean, than any other player on that team. But he, Aaron Judge is still the face of that team. You go over to the Mets, though. Jacob DeGrom is a Cy Young candidate, Cy Young winner, year in and year out. He's the guy that's there. He is, he's been the Mets. Through only their, pitch once a week, guys. though. You only play it once a week. It doesn't matter. You don't lose the allure of your name because you brought in Francisco Lindor. I feel like it's just going to kind of be a coexisting thing. It's not like uh, again, he's going to be the he's going to be the focus of the lineup, but like the face of the Mets. I'm still going to think of. Jay let me Lindor. let me let me let me try to reword my. Do you, how about this? Do you think by the end of the year, or maybe within the next few weeks, do you think Lindor has the highest sale jersey sale on the Mets? Oh, I mean that that's, that's just because he's brand new too. That's know? good point. That's a good Mets point. Mets fans already have the Degrom jerseys, but I, I'll I'm going to piggyback off what Tyler said because I agree. Um, I think that especially in New York, the fans have the attitude of "What have you done for me lately?" Right. So yeah, it's really exciting that Lindor has come here and for the Mets fans and and you know he's a huge name in his prime, which is something Mets fans are not used to. Um, but it's what have you done in my uniform? What have you done for my city? You know, if you think about it, look what uh, – yeah, I mean, let's use Giancarlo again. I mean, Giancarlo was the Miami Marlins. He was the face of that franchise, and he's come in here and 
not done much. I mean, he's had some good years, but he's not the MVP that the Yankees traded for. And Yankees, a lot of Yankee fans can't stand him because it's what have you done for me lately? And that's a big thing, especially in New York. Fans will turn their back on you in literally 30 seconds if you strike out once, especially Scott. like fans like Glenn. Yeah, well, Scott, yeah, thanks, Cash. Scott, I'm interested in your opinion because unlike the three of us, you're not in the New York bubble. You're more on the Philly side. So from an outside perspective, maybe, you know, by the time we get to June or July, what do you think about that face of baseball in New York? Do you think it's a chance that Lindor can can seize that? Easily, easily. I mean, going into last year, it was probably Pete Alonso, and Alonso struggled last year and kind of got, you know, took a backseat and not saying Dom Smith was the face of New York baseball, but like Dom Smith was the more popular New York Met first baseman last year. Uh, Absolutely. Francisco Lindor has the personality of somebody that major league baseball should be marketing and making a face of the league as a whole. Cause that's how good he is. That's how charismatic he is. The, The guy's always got a huge smile on his face. Like he, he's so happy to be playing baseball. Um, he absolutely sh- should be the face of the Mets and sh- could be the face of New York baseball by the end of this season. I I would say it's still Aaron Judge at this point. He's he's the guy right now. He needs York. to have a full healthy season. That's the most important thing. Yeah. But Lindor's just he, – he's one of the guys that Major League Baseball should be – they should be thrilled that he's in New York now and they should take every – opportunity that they can to promote him being a Met and being in New York. Let's for a second talk about the Indian side of things. Now they give up their face. I got a question about that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Question about that. A month ago, didn't they come out and say they were changing their name? Yeah. But after the end of next, after the end of this season, what's the, it's like, we understand your concerns, but. Um, yeah, you guys so they're, they're, still, they're still going by the Indians. They're going to be by the. They're going to go by the Indians during the 2021 I season. Thought, I thought that's they were just absurd. Be, but go on. I, whatever, that's ridiculous. Just, that's crazy. That's absurd. Do you if want to get into it? it no, 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 no. I, I don't need to get into it I because just, I frankly don't understand it. Why not just, just get rid of it now? Just do. Just why do get the, rid of it at all? Just if do you're, the Cleveland if you're baseball willing, if you're willing to go by the Indians for another year, then don't get rid of it at all my opinion but that's that's nobody, what i was gonna say i was like if you're gonna opinion. if you're gonna do that just you haven't addressed it for years past so just push it off another year now it's just like we understand it's wrong but you're gonna have to suck it up for one more year and then that's it it makes okay, no well, sense at all logically. well the cleveland baseball team gives up the face <laughs> no, of the front I, <laughs> I just had to ask i'm just curious it's fine it's, fair it's fine it's a good it's a good question it's fair so francisco and carrasco francisco lindor and carlos carrasco leave cleveland for the Mets and Cleveland will get back John Wolf, Isaiah Green, Andres Jimenez, Ahmad Rosario. This is what's going to happen when organizations who are handicapped financially, when it's time to trade off their best players. We saw it with the Marlins and Giancarlo when the Yankees only gave up money and Starling Castro. They're not going to get the top of the line prospects that they probably deserve. One, because Lindor is so close to free agency. And two, the teams that they'd be negotiating with already know that the Indians are desperate to get rid of these guys. So the Indians didn't get kind of the value in terms of prospects that they probably should have gotten for Lindor. I mean, Jimenez and Rosario are established big league infielders, but they're not going to give you, they're not, you know, they don't have the ceiling that a Francisco Lindor does. Um, we'll see what happens with Wolf and Green. But again, eight and nine in the Mets organization, that's not one, two, or three. No top five prospects in the Mets organization went to Cleveland. So what, is this just a, a dump for Cleveland that they had to do? Or do you think they could have held out a little bit more for a better package? I, I think any- they okay. should have done it at this point. This is the best time to do it before the season starts. Once the season started, his his value would have went down even more. So this is the right time to do it. They should have done it probably last year. They would have gotten more. But now that we're here, they, they did the right thing, trading them before the season started. Ty? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think you kind of – I mean, everything Scott said, I'm on par with. And <clears> – <throat> excuse me um, – 
this is kind of what you get for really coming out to the media and saying, oh, I don't think he has a place on this team. Like, okay, supply and demand. Now you know that you're not going to retain him. He's going to hit the open market. You're, you're, you're screwing yourself. You're not getting anything back. No one's going to give them to like, no one's going to give you their prospects. They've been stacking in their farm system when they know they can get Francisco Lindor when he hits the open market. It's just, it's such bad front office work. It's like, I don't, it's a Dolan. What do you expect? I don't know. Yeah. Can, I, can I just say something first? And I, we, we, I talked about this last week. I think we had a big conversation about this last week. The first sin that the Indians did was not like, – the first thing that they did wrong is not extending him. This is a guy that they brought up through their system, became an all-star, became the best shortstop in baseball, and you're just going to get, get rid of him. You're just going to trade him essentially for um, a package that's nowhere near the worth that you developed in Francisco Lindor himself. I think that's the initial problem with the Indians and with really a lot of Major League Baseball is just not being able to commit to these superstar players that you developed yourself. They signed him. I think it was an international free agent or draft. I don't know. They drafted exactly. him. They drafted him. Yeah. I don't know exactly how it happened, but I, I it, it's a problem in Major League Baseball. Cleveland's not a broke organization. Uh, as you said, they are Dolan. Francisco Lindor is a guy that they brought they brought him up and they immediately had success going to the playoffs, going to a World Series, being up 3-1 in said World Series. And then to not reward him financially, um, this is this is a guy that should should be a lifelong Indian, and now he's a Met. And I think that I think that's sad. Not because I'm a Yankee fan and I hate the Mets, but just from a baseball standpoint, you want to see guys you know, be rewarded. Like, I feel like we need more, you know, Derek Jeter's in baseball that, you know, stay with one organization and an organization rewards them for what they gave them or the success and, and wins that that player gave them. And it's, I just think cash, it's sad that, you know, some organizations don't have a lack of, have a lack of loyalty to their best players and they decide to ship them off when they feel like they're too expensive. Can I put oh, a question think... real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I just think, I mean, before we go further into this, I feel like it's a good spot to insert in here. Do you think, come on, with like, with the emergence of Jose Ramirez and kind of the MVP seasons, the top three MVP seasons that he had, and Francisco Lindor was never really up there, do you think the Cleveland Indians front office sees that out of Jose Ramirez and says, why are we going to pay, like, Francisco Lindor is a great player, but why are we going to pay Francisco Lindor when we're getting top production out of somebody else? And he's not necessarily going to be kind of that superstar guy. It's really Jose Ramirez on the field for them and getting the accolades for it. Does that make sense? I want to look, I just want to look up what Jose Ramirez, how old he is. He's 28. Still young. Yeah. That's the same age as basically as he's a year older than Lindor. I'm just saying like Lindor's never been in like, he's never been in the big talks for the MVP award. Um, I, you could argue Ramirez has gotten bigger hits for them when they've been in big spots. And Lindor. So you think it was a matter of the Indians just chose Ramirez over Lindor? Not even that. I, I just feel like it's how are we going to pay Lindor this $300 million contract when he's not even the best guy in our lineup? Like they acknowledge he's a good player. Like there's no disputing it. anyone who says he's a bad baseball player should stop watching baseball because you're just a detriment to the sport. But yeah, that's, I just feel like that's an interesting thing to look at i don't necessarily have a side on it i'm just kind of throwing it out there and i'm curious what you guys think cash what do you think do you think that the indians should have ponied up for francisco lindor a guy that they developed themselves and turned into a star with the indians um so i was i'll go off of what i was going to say about the loyalty i think that part of it is there's no loyalty on either side you know um i think these players want to win and they want to win now um and that's shown across of other than Mike Trout of shown across really all sports that, you know, these guys are willing to jump ship and, and go anywhere. And, you know, this is the Indians way of saying, okay, I'm not going to, um, or we're not going to sign this guy and then him ask for a trade and us force our hand to one certain team. Not that that's happening so much in baseball, but it could. Um, so, and I think Tyler has a great point, you know, at the end of the day, it is a business and it comes down to numbers and, you know, of course, uh, Lindor is a fan favorite without a doubt. But if Jose Ramirez is going to put up better numbers, you know, and they obviously haven't won a World Series with both of them. They got close, but they didn't win. Maybe you do hit, click the reset button and maybe they have someone in their farm system who they truly believe is a great replacement. Maybe not necessarily a shortstop, but a hitter and a, could be a fan favorite to replace Lindor. I, I can't imagine that they're getting rid of him without a backup plan. 
or they got rid of uh, that they, plan. I'm I'm looking at Lindor and Ramirez's career stats. They are almost identical, almost yeah. identical. But Jose Ramirez, Ty, you're right, has had more notoriety around the league. He came in second yeah. place this past year for the MVP. Um, and then 2017 and 2018, he was top three as well. Um, but their their numbers are of the main statistics are pretty similar, which is kind of surprising. So Ramirez is 281 average, 127 homers, 437 RBIs, 354, 494, 848 slashing. Uh, then Lindor is 285 career hitter, 138 home runs. 411 RBIs, 346, 488, 833 slashing. So, like, these guys have put up identical numbers to each other for their entire careers. And the fact that they are giving up on them and just moving on, like, I, they gave up on Lindor. Um, who knows what they're going to do with Ramirez? Do they build around him? Or if I were the Indians, like, I would just buy all the way in and just sell him as well and recoup as many prospects as possible. Because in that situation, Ramirez has a contract for a little bit more years, so teams might be willing to give a little bit more for him, and you know recoup their their farm system. Because the guys that they got from the Mets, I'm looking at their their rankings. Wolf is number twelve in the Indians system now, and Green's number sixteen. So it's not like the guys that they acquired like they must be banking on Rosario Jimenez to click and become not Lindor stars, but like solid shortstops. So I'm remember, looking... remember Rosario, when he was coming up, he was ranked ahead of Torres on the top 10 overall prospects in baseball. Mm-hmm. I think it was like, I think it was Rosario was two and Torres was three. I think I remember seeing. So there, I, th- I think they're putting a lot of stock in him. Well, you know what's going to happen now? You know what's going to happen now? Rosario left the Mets. He's going to become an all-star. I mean, that that's just, happens. That's just baseball. And Ramirez's contract for 2021 is nine million dollars, and then 2022 is only two million dollars. So that's well, significantly a, less than the the last two years, 22 and 23. Okay. Yeah, I mean, okay, so it's still significantly less than the thirty dollar, thirty million dollars that Lindor is going to get. It makes total sense why they made the decision they did. I just wish they would have kept Lindor. I feel like that would be a very smart maneuver for them. I mean, it's not like they're paying Ramirez thirty million dollars and then they got to add another thirty million dollar contract. They could have easily chose Lindor. I don't know. I'm yeah. not I mean, in the, the original terms office of the Cleveland Indians, but the original terms of the Ramirez deal is 26 years five, or 26 million 5 years. That's with a, a from 17 to 21 with a 22 and 23 team option. Like that's a little over 5 million dollars a year. That's insane for the production you're getting. MVP production. Yeah, bargain. Wild. So the Indians, of course, without Carrasco, without Lindor, we'll see what other moves they make if they shed more salary. They're probably going to take a step back in the AL in the AL Central. Who's not going to take a step back in the AL Central is the Chicago White Sox because yesterday they inked the best reliever in on the market to maybe even the best in baseball to a three-year, $54 million deal. That's Liam Hendricks. Interesting fourth-year option. It's $15 million dollars. To, for him to opt in for the opt in for the team opt in or 15 million for the opt out. So he's going to be making 15 million in that fourth year, no matter if he's on the roster or not. We talked about yesterday when we went through that article's bold predictions, one of them was the White Sox will make the World Series. Um, me and Scott said, sure, why not? Cash and Ty were like, no, the Yankees are. The Yankees, who are continuing to have this stalemate with LeMahieu before they do anything this offseason, the White Sox have acquired Liam Hendricks. And they have acquired Lance Lynn. They've acquired. They've reacquired Adam Eaton. How um, how serious are you taking the White Sox going into twenty twenty one? Very. Should be. They're, they're got to be right there at the top as one of the best. They have to in be. I, I mean, if you look through the American League, and I said this yesterday or last week when we went through the prediction. It's the Yankees, and then really it's the White Sox, and then I don't see that much other competition in the American League. Astros are going to take a major step without Verlander, without Springer. Um, you know, the Twins, when the Twins win, I'll believe it. Um, really nobody in the AL West, maybe the Athletics, but they just lost Hendricks. Um, maybe the Blue Jays, if they decide to spend money somewhere in this offseason, but really it seems like it's Yankees-White Sox 
um, really going to be the teams competing for this pennant. Obviously, and again, the Rays without Snell and without Morton are going to take a step back as well. So, Cash, um, what, what, what are your thoughts on the White Sox? They're here to play. I mean, they are – they're making splashes. You know, I, I'm going to say the same thing about the White Sox that I said about the Mets. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. But roster-wise, they're putting together a nice group of guys. Um uh, or people. I don't want to assume anything. Uh, all right, you're gonna have to cut that part out. I I, I couldn't. <laughs> Our throw. You're good. What just uh, happened? I'm so confused. Never mind. <laughs> um. But yeah. Uh, do we want? Do you want? Sox, you want us to come back to you? The the, <laughs> the White Sox. I'm sorry. The White Sox uh, put together a nice a nice group of guys this, this off season and they're, they're here and they're ready to play. Point. And uh, I, getting to my point, they are a force to be reckoned with. But like I said, uh, I'll believe it when I see it, you know, these guys all have to perform together and they have to gel well together and um, we'll see what happens, but I think they'll be good. I think we'll see if Giolito makes the next step. We'll see if Lance Lynn continues his like career resurgence as the number two. But Scott, something that seems like a sure thing with the White Sox is that they're going to hit and they're going to score a lot of runs. They have Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, um, Jimenez. The list goes on and on. Adam Eaton's back to shore up that top of the order. Um, that, that's, that, that's that is some, yeah, Yon Mancada. They have some lineup. They're going to score a lot of runs, and in a AL Central that really doesn't seem that competitive it can be over early in that division yeah they're they're my favorite to uh win the central they can definitely run away with it because it is a weak division um you mentioned it their lineup is loaded top to bottom you you can argue that you know they are going to be one of the best lineups in baseball up there with the the dodgers and the yankees um i'm looking at DraftKings. their their odds they have them at plus a thousand to win the World Series, which is fourth best in Major League Baseball. Uh, they have them second best in the American League to make it to the World Series at plus four twenty-five. And let's see what they have them for the division. They have them at plus one hundred five to win the division. That's a shoe in um, for me. I'll place yeah. that. Right are the top the three for the World Series? Are the top three Dodgers, Padres, Yankees? Yeah, Dodgers at plus four fifty, Yankees at five plus five fifty, and the Padres at plus nine hundred. Oh, I'm surprised that the Yankees are above the Padres as presently constituted. But go on with the uh, White just, Sox point. But just they're so good. And the lineup is is phenomenal. Um, they have a great bullpen in with Hendricks now, but they they already had um, shoot uh, Aaron Bummer is in that bullpen. A great lefty. They had the kid in Garrett Crochet who came up last year throwing 102 miles an hour on every single pitch. Like they're they're a great team plus their rotation. G. Lito had a great year last year. Dallas Keuchel is a veteran. Uh, mm-hmm. Bringing in Lance Lynn, who's had a great couple of years. Ronaldo Lopez is a young guy. Maybe Michael Kopech comes back this year and has a great year as one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. They're going to be a threat. They're going to be there. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I might like them a little bit better depth wise than the Yankees. I think I think they're a little bit better set up. I think that's fair. I also think you got to wait the five weeks to see what the Yankees do yeah. in the off season. Yeah. But the if, this, held, if opening still. day was tomorrow, if opening day was tomorrow, I wouldn't fight you if you said the White Sox were a better team right now. Yeah, you don't have an argument. Cash argue something to say there. there. Come on. Cash. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to wait until until we come around into Yankees talk, and then I'll, I'll say what I have to say. Okay. Well, let's do that right now. Catch so the Yankees and DJ LeMahieu stalemate continues. The latest report is that DJ is not happy with the Yankees' slow play negotiation tactics. He asked his agent to re-engage with other teams such as the Dodgers, the Blue Jays, the Mets, the Braves, the Cardinals, and the Red Sox. When I first saw this, I was like – well, why weren't you talking to other teams in the first place? That's how this works. Why would the Yankees bid against themselves if you're not willing to go to other teams? Now that DJ is willing to negotiate with other teams, he can get an offer from them, come back to the Yankees, and whether the Yankees match it or go a little higher is up to them. Um, I just thought I didn't, I didn't see that report as something that the Yankees were wrong to do because I think the Yankees are in their right 
to offer the contract. And if nobody else is going to offer another contract or if DJ's not going to like, if not DJ's not going to try to get another offer from another team, why would the Yankees up an offer that is the only offer out there? So I'm not, I don't think that's an anti Yankees report that a lot of people on Twitter saw, saw it as, but I will agree. I feel like I know what cash is going to say. This, this has gone on way too long and the Yankees eventually just need to step up and make this thing happen. I think, I still think in my heart that it eventually will, but it is a frustrating um, situation and I'll give cash the floor from there. So I don't, um, I'm going to try and compose myself as much as I can. I was, I was really heated the other day when I saw this, I agree with you, Glenn, um, that they, I, it's not smart to bid against yourself. Obviously you got to wait until other teams. Uh, I was confused as why he wasn't talking to other teams as well. Um, with that being said, if the Yankees are waiting to make other free agent moves to see what happens with DJ, then you need to wrap it up and get it together. And either you give him what he wants or a you thousand say, percent agree with you. Or a thousand percent you, agree you move you. on. I mean, this is absurd because Liam Hendricks is a guy that would have been great in a Bronx in the Bronx bullpen, mm-hmm. not for that money, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe he would have taken a discount. I mean, there's other Yankees. guys. There's other guys out there. There's Brad Hand. There's there's a lot of other relievers out there. The Yankees need to make start making moves. Um, why hasn't Tanaka been offered a contract? Um, why has no other starting pitcher been signed? Uh, what's now going to happen with Garrett Cole? Um, what what about the bullpen? Are you sticking with Gary Sanchez? Uh, we need the lefty bat. And finally. I think the Yankees are going to move the uh, Glaber back to second. So, which means you need to either move DJ to short or go out and get Didi Gregorius. Wait, what time out? Why would we do that? Why would we put DJ at short? Where do I you don't see know. that? Is that a thing? I, I don't saw think that, I saw that the Yankees were thinking about putting Glaber back at second. Well, that, I, I think that Glaber back at second is a plan B if DJ leaves. Well, I, I think that he needs, I think it should be plan A. I would rather DJ at short than Glaber. I think that Glaber played th- horribly. I would no I would way. like someone to look up how many innings in his career DJ's played. I don't Not think he has the arm to play shortstop. Well, he plays third. If you're complaining about Glaber's glove at short, you, I, why are you going to put DJ LeMahieu there when he's been a career second baseman? He's played- the only way I see DJ and Glaber, I, the only way I see Glaber being at second base if DJ leaves is if they trade Voight and put um, DJ at first. That's the only way I see that working out. Whatever. I mean, four that, games, four okay. innings at shortstop. Uh, okay, thank you. That's not my main argument anyway. My main argument is that if the Yankees are waiting around to see what DJ is going to do before they start making other moves, they got to say, okay, you're done, or we're going to give you what you want so we can move on here. Because this is absolutely absurd. Because they need to make a move. They're obviously not good enough to win the World Series. They need a lefty in the, the lineup. They need contact average hitters they don't need a guy hitting 40 home runs and striking out 600 times it's becoming a real issue and what's going to happen come april the Yankees is going to start off hot then they're going to get cold in the middle of summer again they're going to go into the postseason hot and they're going to strike out a hundred fucking times and they're going to kick down the playoffs again and then they're not going to win the world series again it's the same shit every year and Figure you forgot at the trade deadline they don't do anything It's a, You're overloading your mic, Cash. We can't hear you. Well, until Cash comes back, I guess I'll just piggyback on that. Cash says, I'm right. not listening I mean, anymore. It's like I'm done. The Yankees, the, the Yankees need to do something, and you know, I, it's it's admirable, and it's kind of, I guess, it's kind of an ode to what DJ has meant to the team over the last two years that they're focused on him in the off season. But that doesn't mean that you let other people go. You still have to have um, other negotiations going on simultaneously as the DJ negotiation. Now that this DJ negotiation has taken so long, they don't have a Francisco Lindor plan B. Now their plan B is going to be a DD or an Angleton Simmons kind of contract. So waiting for DJ is great. And I agree with the Yankees that DJ should be plan A and he should be brought back, you know, not at all costs, but like it, it, it should be, you know, plan A, but, you, uh, you have to make other deals. You have to get Tanaka back. You have to bring in a Jake Odorizzi. You have to bring in another starting pitcher. You need relief pitchers. You need, as Cash said, a left-handed option in the lineup. So I don't. I feel like if the Yankees wait so much longer, even if they do end up bringing back DJ LeMahieu, it's going to bite them for addressing the rest of the roster. Yeah, look, I... 
the first your little opening monologue there i really agreed with i thought that was perfectly on point and i did not think of that when the news broke um can you hear me yes i got you okay back thank you would you like to finish your thought um i said what i needed to say i just uh change is needed but go on okay no i i did not think of that when I mean, I didn't think of it that way. I kind of saw it more as like anti-Yankee news. And I was also kind of like pumped for DJ. I was like, I want the Yankees to bring him back and like good for him putting on pressure. Um, because it, by talking to the Red Sox, like Brian Cashman's not going to look at that. And like, look, is he really going to believe that he's going to the Red Sox? But like, I feel like it kind of gets the tracks going a little it get, bit. It gets, it gets things spinning. Like, yeah, gets the people going. The Yankees the don't want to lose. It's provocative. It's provocative. It gets the people going. Yankees don't want to lose yeah. their best player to mm-hmm. the Red Sox. They never want that to happen. So or even, the Mets. Yeah. So if yeah. it's if it's not even if it's not true, it just helps get things going again. The guy was a top four MVP the last two years. Like he's the best player on the team. Like he he has to be a Yankee moving forwards. Um, probably for the rest of his career, he needs to be a Yankee. That's how valuable he is to that organization. Let's um, let's move on to what Ma- Rob Manfred t- said today. Everybody's favorite commissioner went out and he said he expects everybody to report to spring training on time in the middle of February and that the regular season will start April 1st when it um, when it was normally scheduled to start. Um, I saw this and my initial reaction was like, yeah, because, you know, the real reason why the NHL and NBA didn't start on time was more to give players a rest from the late ending of the the previous season more than a COVID-related delay. So since the World Series ended when a normal World Series would end in late October, I so I thought this was a no I thought I thought this was a no-brainer in terms of starting the season on time because if you push it to May 1st or May 15th, what are those extra 30 to 45 days really going to do in terms of COVID? Are you really going to get every single major league baseball player vaccinated in those 45 extra days? I don't see that happening. So I actually applaud Manfred for saying, no, we're going to start the season on time. We're going to play at 162 because if you, you, what we're not thinking about right now is that there is a really big collective bargaining agreement that needs to be negotiated after the end of the next year. And the last thing that Manfred wants is a fight with the players union over delaying the game, delaying the season a month and a half, two months, and then having another thing that we had last summer with the negotiation on prorated salary. So I thought that was a, I think it's a smart move by MLB to start on time. Yeah. Great. Great for Manfred to get that out there now. Uh, especially because not too long ago, there was concerns that the owners were going to push back and say, we're not starting on time because we want to have fans, you know, fully in the stadiums, but good for Manfred for finally, you know, growing a pair and saying, no, this is what we're doing. Um, I would just wish he would make a decision on playoffs, mm-hmm. how many teams are going to be in the playoffs and whether or not there's going to be a DH in a national league. And the double header role. What's the double header is going to look yeah, like. Cause last year, Last week, when we were talking about free agency and how it's you know moving slowly, one of the things that you know I read then later in the week was that teams don't know what's going to happen. Like for the DH, like National League teams don't know if they're going to have a DH, so like National League teams aren't going to be talking to a Nelson Cruz because Marcelo Zuna, yeah, because they don't know what they're going to be dealing with. So those decisions need to be made as well, moving so teams know and we. You know, they can be prepared, but I I really applaud them for saying this is what's happening. Everything's starting on time because there's there's zero reason, as you mentioned, for them to not start on time and play a full season this year. There's zero reason, zero, zero reason for anything to, you know, delay this season from starting. Yeah, no doubt. I have nothing. Props to Manfred. That's it. Nothing more. It's a, it's a rare occurrence. I'm not going to give him any that. more props than he needs. We, we got to see it happen first. That's it. But I, I am glad because I didn't want to yeah. wait an extra 45 days for a season to start. That would have been would not suck. good for my mental health. Huh. Cash, any thoughts on the uh, full season? I will not say anything positive about Rob Manfred. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> um, next, I have here um, a little trade um, rumors going around with Andrew Benintendi from the Red Sox. Jim Bowden reports that the Red Sox are in serious talks regarding Andrew Benintendi. Boston looking for an outfield outfielding and pitching prospects. Now they're already probably going to lose Jackie Bradley Jr. And then they're going to also now seems to lose JD, um, 
I'm sorry. You know, you know who would be really good in the Red Sox outfield is Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts? Yeah, I feel like that they I he would fit so. well in right field. It's too bad that he's signed long term with another team. Oh, shucks. So moving forward with the Red Sox, I thought it was interesting to see this a day after it came out that the they touch base with DJ LeMahieu. I don't know why they would sell and then buy LeMahieu. I don't know. Maybe the, the LeMahieu news is just a rumor or a negotiation ploy by DJ. But what do, what do, what do we think about what the Red Sox are going to do moving forward? They bring back Cora after his one-year suspension. Um, they don't have any pitching, really. Um, they obviously got rid of Betts. They're going to get rid of Benintendi. They're going to lose Bradley Jr. Who knows what future J.D. Martinez has on that team. What What's the plan for this organization moving forward? What do you guys think? I don't even I, know if they know. No, I think they do. I think they've made it relatively clear that they want to kind of rebuild and start over. And that means wasting Xander Bogarts and Andrew Benintendi's mm-hmm. careers and Rafi Devers. Um, Cause those are three good players. Benintendi has struggled the last two years, um, especially last year. He, I mean, he didn't play a lot last year. He was injured. Um, but one of the things I saw was that like, they asked him to start pulling the ball more and trying to hit home runs where that's not the kind of hitter he was when he first came up. He was an all fields kind of a guy, high average, get on base. And he's a, he's a good defender. So if any team, any team should really be trying to go get Benintendi because he's only 26 years old and he's, he's a good player. Like, and if the, the Red Sox are going to be selling low, which most likely they are, everybody should be trying to jump on a guy like that. Some people should be jumping on a Xander Bogarts as well, making that call, say, hey, what's it going to take to get Bogarts? Because he's another really good hitter. Uh, Rafi Devers would probably be a guy that they would hold on to to build around because he's still only 21. Um, but I, I think the Red Sox are you know, pressing the eject button and resetting, which sucks for baseball because it's, you know, the, the one of the best markets, one of the best organizations, great fan base, you know, loyalty wise, you know, they have their other flaws that we won't get into, but um, it, it that would stink for baseball. I know it makes you guys thrilled watching the Red Sox stink, but baseball even better. say thrilled, honestly. The competition's fun. Yeah, baseball's yeah. better when the Red Sox are good. But exactly. They're they're in the direction of hey, like we want to be bad for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I just feel like it's a complete rebuild. So we'll see what um. I think Heim Bloom's in there now. He's yeah. he's running the show. I like so it. So he's a Tampa Bay Rays guy. So we'll see what he does with. He's been a there big for a while, though, team. right? Um, I think two two years, three well, not years. A while, but like a couple years. He's not new. Yeah. They got rid of Dombrowski a few years ago for him, and now yeah. Dombrowski's in Philadelphia. Right? Isn't that right, Scott? That's yes, fun. Yes, he is. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with the Red Sox. Um, I want to get to the Nickelodeon thing in the NFL and see if that works for baseball. Mm-hmm. But first, I'm coming across an article in terms of fans in the stadium next year. MLB has MLB will have no mandate for vaccines or COVID nineteen tests for fans to be in the ballpark, so we'll see how that works moving forward. We still have a while before that needs to be a conversation, but that's just something that came across my Twitter feed. Just wanted to throw that out there. So the Bears and Saints had a football game. Obviously, they had a playoff game on Sunday, and it was simulcasted on Nickelodeon. And I thought it was really cool. I don't know how many. How many? How much of the game you guys watched on Nickelodeon? But I watched a it. good half. You watched the whole thing? I did. See, my I, I kind of got tired of it, and then I moved to CBS around the third quarter. But the first half was really cool. I mean, Noah Eagle did a great job doing the play-by-play. Nate Burleson was great in color, and then they had this kind of comic relief kind of actress that they the Nickelodeon I guess has to kind of be the um, I don't know the, the person that doesn't know football, like the, football. The, the liaison between football and the kids network. Um, I thought it was cool. I thought young Sheldon explaining the penalties was lame. I didn't. I don't like young Sheldon. I don't like Big Bang Theory. So well, guess what? Guess what? You lo- you like the Big Bang Theory, don't no, you? No, no. I no. I was saying what I was going to say was it wasn't catered to you. Uh, okay, you weren't I, the, the, the most target part, audience. So for the most part, I liked it. I liked the SpongeBob cash, aspect cash, to it. Cash, I liked cash. the slime. Do you think this works in Major League Baseball or Cash? If you want to continue to hit me over the head, go ahead. What are you going to say, Ty? 
Can you please just move away from your mic a tiny bit? Or, or turn down your, your gain. A little bit. Yeah. And then we're good. How's this? Perfect. You're great. All right, great. So, I hated it. Really? I did not like watching it at all. But like I said, I wasn't the target audience. I think Major League Baseball absolutely needs to do something like this. I will not be tuning in, but I do think this is something that needs to be done. They captured a lot of the audience uh, that they were trying to capture. Um, I personally just rather listen to Tony Romo dissect the defense rather than SpongeBob. Uh, that's just me. But um, Did it bother you that they were explaining what a first down meant during a playoff game? I didn't watch it. Oh, I don't know. Watch I don't know. I, I imagine that would bother me. I watched a little bit of it in the pregame, and I saw the whole slime thing uh, on Twitter when Michael Thomas scored a touchdown, uh, the end zone slime. Um, and I thought that was cool, and I thought that the kids definitely related to that, and that's something that you know a younger audience would love. Um, so for me, I think it was a good job by the NFL, and I do think that Major League Baseball needs to do something similar to this. Um, I don't know when. I mean, you know, it's tough because football's on once a week. So everyone and their mother is turned, tuned in once a week. But, you know, baseball is on 37 times a day for six months. It's tough to single out what games to do it. Um, but maybe like a Sunday night broadcast, like do ESPN and, and I don't know, Disney Channel. I know they're like intertwined. I don't know. Well, do it. Do it. All start. Weekend. Every time I speak, Tyler's just sitting there like smiling. He, I don't, he, I don't know I what I said I'm just wrong. Thinking, I'm just thinking of what I was gonna say next, and I was gonna say, <clears throat> as a former kid, I can confirm that they did enjoy the slime. Great, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I said, like it was really cool. I couldn't do it, but yeah, I, I agree with Cash. As we've mentioned, it wasn't catered to us because we're, you know, we're sports fans. Like that's not what we're going for, but. I read before we came on here, it brought in an additional 2 million viewers to the game. So that it's, it's small in the grand scale of normal viewership for a football game, but it's still 2 million extra people that watch the game. Well, not only that, it's 2 million people that saw it for the first time. And they're going to tell their little friends that, Hey, we should watch the football game together next weekend. Cause it's going to be on Nick. Yeah. Like it's great. And then it turns into 4 million and then 8 million. Yeah, and, and, and I can do math. So. And in terms of Major League Baseball, do it on the All-Star game. Do it on the Little League weekend when they play the game at the Little League World Series in in uh, Williamsport. Williamsport, Pennsylvania. I've been there, not for the Little League World Series, but I've been to Williamsport, so I should have known that. Um, do it that weekend because that's a big weekend when kids are watching. Um just get it, get that incorporated and expand the game. And I saw as well, like, why didn't the NBA do this for the bubble and do something on Disney? Like they were literally in Disney. Why not do that? Like it should be something that all these leagues are looking at now. Um, I also saw a nice little story that Kurt Warner hall of fame quarterback. That was awesome. Yeah. His, he has a son, he has an adult son who has mental disabilities due to a brain injury suffered when he was a child. This was the first time he had ever watched a football game with his son. Kurt Warner is a legend. And like even his own kids, like for the first time, were watching football with them. So I thought that was even cool. Like it it, it encompassed everybody, which was which was awesome. Um and that's a great idea. They should do it. Everybody should do it. It's, it's, I think I saw a perfect tweet to uh, kind of differentiate MLB in the NFL. It was, I can watch an NFL game on Nickelodeon, but I can't watch a baseball game because of blackout restrictions. I mean, yeah, goes, it's all you need to know with baseball. They definitely need to figure out a way to. So that's, that's not on Major League Baseball, though. Yes, it is. No, that's on the teams owning the certain networks. Uh, is it? I'm not sure. Scott, yeah, I so like, you I know more than me. I can't, watch, sure. I can't watch a Yankee game on MLB.TV in my area because it's on Yes Network. So I, oh, that makes sense. So I can't watch it. But if it's on TV in my area, I can't watch it. But that's on, like, the Yankees owning Yes Network, and well, they want you to watch let, the let game me, on let Yes me, Network. Let me make this argument. Why would the Yes Network care? They want you they, to watch the game on Yes Network. No, I understand that. But TV. you're like, 
But here, here's my thought it's process. It's still the Yes Network yeah, stream. That's it's still going to be their stream one and two. Like baseball happens from April through September, and if you make the playoffs, October. So you, all those summer months, you can't expect people to always be sitting in their house in June, July, August to sit down in front of the TV and watch a game. So if you're on, I guess your phone or your tablet, and you're bringing it out, mobile, don't you sit down to watch a game in June, July, and August every night? No, but the casual fan. The I'm casual kidding. fans, yeah, are, yeah. no, I, I agree fans with also you. not watching on Nickelodeon. I don't disagree with you. I, I, I mean, I think the you. Yankees have Fox Sports Go, which you can do, but uh, right, it's a pain. No, I, I completely agree with you. And and Major League Baseball just makes everything difficult. Yes, and and you know we jump through hoops to make it work because we love the sport. But you know, on a normal fan, like oh, I can't watch it. That I don't care. Like I don't just don't care enough. You know what I mean? So, and and another another key to it, it, it has to be if they're going to do a Nickelodeon thing, like it has to be in partnership with another broadcast. So like, was it two weeks ago on the regular season, there was the Cardinals 49ers game on Amazon prime. And that was the only place you could get it, which I mean, not a huge game, but like that was a pain in the ass for people to watch if they wanted to major league baseball has done the Facebook, Facebook Facebook games. And those sucked. I mm-hmm. hated them so much. The Phillies were on it all the time because they sucked when it was happening. And I don't want to sit on my computer and, and watch a baseball game or sit on my phone and watch a baseball game. Like, I want to be able to watch it on TV. Like, it's got to be partnered with another broadcast. Like, How about this for an idea? How about, an like, how the NFL has red zone? Major League Baseball can have, like, a runners in scoring position channel where they, every they time should. there's a runner at second base. And they did it in the postseason. And we, we That's all were tough, watching though. it. We loved it. That's tough though. Because it's every day. It's every day. And, you know, and NFL's once a week. And, you know, you could do it without commercials and, and it, it works well. But I don't know. For baseball, that's my opinion. That's tough to do. Well, it doesn't really have to be a whole I mean, like, I, I feel like MLB like tonight the, tries with the live look ins, but like sometimes they just put in a live look in on a meaningless at bat. I feel like the average baseball fan is a fan of a team, not a fan of the game. You know, there's a lot of NFL fans who. Just watch football for fantasy football or like even if some people say hey, I'm a Giants fan, but they go out and they watch NFL Network. I mean, NFL Red Zone instead of watching the Giants game like to me, that's crazy. But that's just an average fan like I for baseball. I don't think that's the same way. Like, I think that if someone's watching a baseball game, they're watching the team that they root for. Like, I don't normally sit down and just watch the Mets game. You know what I mean? It's baseball. And like sometimes I will if nothing else is on. But like I won't go out of my way to be like, oh, the Mets are on TV. I'm going to watch. But. If I'm home and I'm going to go out of my way to watch Thursday night football or Sunday night football, you know, something like that. So I don't know, even if it's not my team. So I just feel like that's tough for baseball. But Tyler, you got any uh, TV ideas that baseball can do to maybe make it more a little a little easier for a casual fan to tune into a baseball game? TV ideas. No, or just any thought on how uh, how baseball broadcasted. I personally really enjoyed the Nickelodeon broadcast. Like, I mean, I'm how many years removed from Nickelodeon at this point, like 15, maybe. And so like the little infographics that like popped up, I didn't understand the characters and like, I don't know who they are or like their backstory or what the comparison was like that. I don't understand. And obviously we mentioned it before, like it's not catered to us, but for what it was and like appreciating it for its intent, I feel like it did a great job and moving into MLB. Like why can't you do it for what reason? Why can't you make the foul lines, those little slime things that are moving like just the same as you're doing with the first down marker. Like you can do anything. Like I think it's really cool. I think it would be hoove the MLB to uh, get something along. Yeah, that. I thought it was cool. I, especially there was a part in the, in that game where Noah Eagle um, said that Allen Robinson. What was that? He's phenomenal. He's great. He's, he's gonna be a star just like his dad. I was flipping between the Nets game and that game, and they sound identical. But, and they look identical. Too. And he's also my age, which is great. Um, yeah. And I'm doing this podcast with you guys. He's doing an NFL game on Nickelodeon, but it's fine. So um, hey, Dick, I'd rather do the podcast with us. Oh, that's nice of you. I don't know if you're telling the truth. I am. Are you? Yeah. Well, I, you're I a better person say, I than I am because I'd rather be on the Nickelodeon. <laughs> I've been on NFL Network. Have you? Oh yeah, that's true. That's a good point. You like that? I DVR'd that for you, and I came home like a couple days later, and I watched it. You have it? I don't have it at all. Can you? Oh, send I don't it think I don't know if I have it anymore. But like, I Ugh. I was leaving the house when it came on, and I literally ran back inside the house and I started recording it, and then I left, and then I watched it a few days later. So good job. Well, if you still have it, I would love that. Okay. 
So what I was going to say was uh, Noah Eagle. Allen Robinson made like three catches in a row, and then Noah Eagle's like, he's hotter than a Peruvian puff pepper. And I was like, that is fantastic. Good for Good you. Reference. It's a great it reference. And it's an older reference for us to understand. So I don't know if the eight-year-old would have gotten that one. If they but, threw those in, like Teen Nick back in the day references. Yeah, like, they did all like, that. They had some SpongeBob ones. I feel like there's a lot of opportunities for brands like that. Like, to everyone I mean, loves a good goes, throwback. Everyone loves nostalgic. Everyone loves the '90s. Yeah, but like, say you did like, for example, for Office fans, like it's all it goes down to like licensing. But I feel like the content itself, like you could do anything. Like you could have, like. Jim well, that's Michael, how they like, that's how they attract the people. Like, that's how they attract people to go to the games. I know Yankees have like Star Wars Day every year, where they have little like R two D two Yankee bobbleheads. Yeah. So that's something that maybe they should implement into the broadcast. Miners have the game. Star Wars Day every year as well. Yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah. So little, who knows uh, what they can do? Because technology can do. You get lightsabers. Yeah, we give away. Now I recently watched all of the Star Wars, so I consider myself a big Star Wars guy now. So I've never watched Star Wars, but now I expect you to be at the Star Wars game this year. I should be at the Star Wars game this year. I think. I don't know. You're a fraudulent friend. You haven't been to a game. Well, there was a pandemic over the last summer. I've been there since 2018. Um. What was my excuse in 2018? Hit us up with a luxury box, you know. I, yeah, I, what, I, can't, I can't give a box, but I, I can get you guys tickets. Oh, okay. Well, are, are, what's the miners looking like this year? Uh, well, we recently just signed our favorite fan favorite, Cito Cover. Oh, a friend of the show. He is back with the miners. Um, we got a lot of familiar faces back from 2019 pre-pandemic. Uh, so we are going to be very, very good. Now, what does the season look like? When's that going to start? Are we still Your negotiating? Yes, is as good as mine. Fantastic. I love um, that. But we're hoping to have a schedule soon. That's Great. what I keep telling myself. <laughs> That's funny. Um, before we get going, is there anything we missed? Is there any final thoughts we want to share about Major League Baseball? I don't think so. It's almost here, guys. It's almost, almost, almost here. here. Scott, what's it the state of the here. Phillies? What, what's the latest on the Romuto thing? Is there anything? There is nothing. Just silent? It, it, it's pretty silent. It's even more quiet than the DJ talks. Oh, um, here's something I wanted to talk about. I don't know if you guys all watched it, but I know I watched it. And I think Scott watched it and Tyler. I don't know if Cash did, but the Trevor Bauer video. Um, say what you I want about Trevor. Ba- you didn't watch it yet? No. Oh, then, I'll just, and then I'll just give my I, kind of commentary I, I on it. it. So, so me and Scott will take this one. So Trevor Bauer went on YouTube, his YouTube channel that he loves so much. And he kind of um, talked about his free agency and what he's looking for in a team. I thought there was some very interesting um, aspects to a player's free agency that he brought us into. Um, but with that said, just sign a contract. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if you got the same kind of vibes, Scott. Yes. Like, this is all nice. And I'm glad you're giving me this information so I can think and I can put myself in your position and see through your lenses what you're going through as a free agent. But at the same time, on January, what is it, 12th, sign a contract. That's kind of what I took out of it. Yeah, my main takeaway was him just saying like he wants the team to value what his opinions and what he has to say about how he goes about things. He's a very unorthodox guy. We all know I'm not his biggest fan. I think he's a really good pitcher. He would ve- he would make any pitch uh, rotation better. He'd make any team better. The thing that bothers me most is he wants to pitch every four days. I don't think nobody, um, nobody's going to do that for him. Though. I don't think anybody's going to do that for him because it just messes up everybody else in the rotation. I think that's very selfish of him to then think, well, it doesn't matter. Like my, what I think is best for me is what matters most. Like you're still part of a team. If you want to be an individual, go play tennis, go play golf. Like you can do that, but he's, he's a good pitcher. He should be signed. Um, I did like, you know, giving the insight and that, you know, him saying, if you don't hear it from me or my, my agent, Rachel Lubin, you know, it's because he went after John Heyman a couple times in the last couple of weeks. Because John Heyman's a clown. He's just <laughs> spewing whatever he wants to sometimes. Don't say that. We might have him on the show one day. You never know. I want to defend Trevor Bauer. I want to. Tyler's already gotten into a fight with Heyman. So, you know. Yeah, that's true. But he's I do not wanna... coming on. <laughs> I would like to defend Trevor Bauer both against John Heyman. So we're best buds, obviously. Um, I just feel like the hate towards Trevor Bauer is so unwarranted because. We're going to see, like, all we say on this podcast, like, I feel like it's once every other episode. We get into this whole conversation about marketing the players and this, this, and that. This guy is, like, a high-profile player. He just won the Cy Young. He's on the market. He's going about typical free agent duties that usually go on behind closed doors. And now he's broadcasting it to everybody. 
I understand where you're just kind of like, come on, dude, like, let's go. Like you play baseball, just sign the contract like everybody else has for the last how many decades. But I feel like he's going to be the martyr in the way, in a way where he's taking all the flack from the press. Now he's like, oh, Trevor Bauer, look at his YouTube channel, like typical, just like stop it. Um, But once MLB hopefully comes along like we want it to, and not every player in free agency is going to start making YouTube videos, but we're going to understand what goes on behind the scenes. So I feel like he's just kind of taking the fall. And also, I personally think he's very smart for doing so. I'm not one of the people that thinks he should stop, but I just feel like the hate is unwarranted and just let the guy do what he wants to do. I think that's fair, but I also think the criticism of, of him is fair because he is kind of a it is uh, kind of lone dopey, shark. Like, and guy. he takes it a little far, yeah. but like let the guy do what he wants to do. I think the four. I think, I think the four days is where where I, he loses me because, as Scott said, let's say hypothetically the Yankees sign Trevor Bauer. I don't think it's going to happen. I doubt it's going to happen. But let's just say for the sake of argument that he does, and he wants every four days, and then it gets in, and then like that four days coincides with a cold start. Now. You got it now. Derek Garrett Cole is going to have to deal with Trevor Bauer wanting to pitch on his day. I just don't. I don't know if that's the way it works. I think the only way it works is if he signs um, a contract with a team where he is the bona fide ace and he's not a number two. I think that's the only way it could possibly work. But even then, you know, that doesn't mean that two through five in the rotation um, has to bow down to him. I don't know. It just I mean, that's work most teams in the league, though. He's a Cy Young winner, like. He is, like but you know, the Indians and the Yankees, like the other. He is, and I don't want to sound disrespectful from saying this, but it was a sixty-game season, and he seems to be a guy that's always every other year. It's either a good yeah. year or an ERA where it's four point seven. So, yeah. Well, I hope, I hope for I his sake, because that. I think if he's successful, I think it's good for the game because then he markets himself, and people are interested in what a good pitcher has to say than rather than a shit pitcher. So I hope that this 2020 Cy Young season was kind of the catapult into him being a consistent ace, but we'll see. So I guess with that being said, I think we'll wrap this up. Um, Hopefully next episode next week, we'll have some more signings, maybe even DJ LeMahieu, who knows? Maybe even JT Romuto, who knows? Maybe a Springer, maybe a Bauer, maybe anyone. Anyone, just someone sign so we have something to talk about next week. Somebody to play baseball, please. Yeah. So until then, Springer, yes, yes. Thank you. Wouldn't Cash. be an episode if that didn't wouldn't be an episode if Cash didn't mention that the Astros cheated in 2019. And Bryce Harper might have. Yes, Bryce Harper does not want to go to spring training. Apparently, there you go. You guys so, it up, not me. I just asked. I merely asked a question. So that'll just about do it for Alex Cashman, Tyler Blumensick, and Scott Roswell. My name is Glenn Eagers. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Base Hitball Four Pack. Fuck Base Hitball Four <laughs> Podcast presented by Caps on Sports. See you, everybody. Way to screw.